Dear listener, this is Interfaith-ish. I'm your host, Jack Gordon, and every other Wednesday right here on Tacoma Radio, we bring you bold conversations about what we believe, why we believe, and how we navigate the common ground and differences between our traditions. This week, dear listener, I'm happy to be joined by Ibrahim Mukman, board member with the historic Masjid Muhammad, and David Street, Deputy Director of Grassroots Organizing at Bread for the World. Welcome to you both this morning. Thanks so much, Jack. Good morning. Good to be with you. Good morning. I should mention that David is also a member of Mount Sinai Baptist Church around the corner from Masjid Muhammad. So I'm glad to have not just a pair of uh, brothers in the spirit, but also uh, a pair of uh, actual neighbors as well. <laughs> yes. That's right. That's right. Not only not only do I attend Mount Sinai, I'm a native to D.C. And it's good to be with you both again uh, in this space this morning. Wonderful. Wonderful. So this morning on our first show of uh, 2021, I'm reflecting on the multifaceted nature of the times that we're living in. On the one hand, a new year brings the opportunity for new beginnings. On the other hand, there's much of 2020 that we can't simply close the door on and leave behind. Uh, there's a hopeful energy in the, in the air this morning here in D.C. for what the new administration will potentially bring with it. Um, and yet at the same time, this very morning, there's a large protest of potentially violent white supremacists marching through downtown. And of course, more broadly, as folks are eagerly anticipating a COVID vaccine that will be widely distributed soon, um, there's obviously been a devastating effects of the pandemic that's touched all facets of our life, not just at the cost of hundreds of thousands of uh, people's lives, but the loss of livelihoods, of basic food security, and so on. So um, I do want to start there with some of those challenges and how each of your organizations and institutions are addressing these issues. Uh, David, for folks who aren't familiar would you please tell our listeners a bit about Bread for the World and the work you do around issues of hunger? Bread for the World has been around for about 45 years now, and um, it's a uh, Christian nonprofit that you know lobbies and advocates Congress on all things uh, hunger and poverty. And so um, we, we have uh, members throughout the entire country who, who really find it their, their life's purpose to, to make sure that um, they get in front of their members of Congress and make sure that resolutions and resources and re, uh, money are placed into bi uh, bills that adequately um, funds, you know, things like SNAP and WIC. And um, our goal is to try to get uh, to end hunger here in the States by 2030. Um, it's based off of a, a UN resolution that was brought forth some years ago um, that stated with the pro proper funding and the community support that the um, United States could probably end hunger by 2030. And so um, that's our mandate. That's the purpose that we're living in right now. And that's you know, where our efforts are. We had a, um, as crazy as last year was, Jack, we, we were able to pass a global nutrition resolution uh, through Congress. Um, the last COVID relief bill, we were able to get a SNAP increase by 15% for the next four months, which is huge for many families uh, around the country. Um, so we yes. have some more work to do, um, but, but um, you know, praise God for, you know, community support, advocates who, who write letters, make phone calls, send emails, um, do Zoom in-district meetings <laughs> um, in spaces like this where we can kind of get the word out. And, and obviously to all the, you know, people who are just doing the direct service, passing out food and helping people, you know, right there on the ground. We, it's a team effort. Right. So tell us about your experience, both as an organizer and a church member this past year. How did COVID-19 impact your church community at Mount Sinai? And what did you see as some of the challenges um, to partner communities in the BREAD network? Sure. Well, our church is, um, admittedly, it's an older church. And so our biggest challenge was probably just the utilization of technology, um, going from in-person to logging on to Facebook and, you know, watch parties and all those different types of things, um, we really had to adjust. So it took us a few months to really get comfortable in the virtual space. Uh, but once we did, um, we were able to kind of, you know, fine tune some things. And then we kind of got busy with helping our community. I mean, 
We hosted blood drives, voter registration drives, um, passed out food on Fridays in our education center lot. So um, we were, it, it was an odd year. We didn't do as much as we had done in previous years, obviously, because of COVID and you know the, the, the information going back and forth. Sometimes we just didn't know what to do. So uh, we just seated on the side of caution, um, but we were able to, to help people. And um, that, that made a lot of people happy in our congregation that even in this tough season, that tough year of 2020, we were still able to have some impact. So church-wise as well. Grassroots, though, I yes. mean, wow. The young people, they took over last year. I mean, we saw the images um, around police brutality, and I think that just kind of spilled into the election. Um, people were not afraid to, to, to tell people, to harass people, to go to the polls, to hold, Peter, hold people accountable, um, and to have tough conversations. And so I was just amazed by the level of activism that has been and continues to happen at the grassroots level, because it's so incredibly important if we're going to find solutions to some of these problems. Mm-hmm. And and definitely one of the one of the uh, communities here in in Washington D.C. that's been doing such great work um, is Masjid Muhammad. So Ibrahim, uh, since the COVID pandemic began early last year, Masjid Muhammad's been spearheading grocery distribution efforts every month. Can you tell us a little bit about how that's being organized and who your community has helped? Yeah, uh, first of all, Jack, thank you for having Masjid Muhammad uh, on the uh, your program this morning. I should say, I start off uh, by even before the pandemic for, I think, probably about 17 years, Minister Muhammad has been involved with something called SHARE. Uh, that's a, a monthly distribution to senior citizens and low-income people, helping them with uh, groceries uh, throughout the years. The, the other thing is that uh, thinking about what David mentioned, it took us probably a, a few weeks, but we finally pivoted and recognized that we, we had to do more during this uh, COVID uh, panic. A panic. And, and so we were able to connect with uh, some friends and allies that we have with the Latter-day Saints. And, and we were able to distribute about 40,000 pounds of food uh, to people in the area. And in addition to that, we were able to organize and facilitate about 120,000 pounds of food to folks in, in Baltimore and Philadelphia. There were some masters that we have a, a, as part of our network. We also work with, uh, you know, folks at some of the senior uh, homes. We were very fortunate to work with uh, folks over at the uh, uh, 4th Street Seventh-day Adventist Church, Golden Rule Plaza. We were very much involved with uh, Turkey distribution over on Martin Luther King uh, Avenue, we, we are in the process uh, of uh, building an 80-unit affordable housing project there in the 2300 block of Martin Luther King uh, Avenue. And, and we had a, a group of young people that uh, took uh, the lead, and they organized a, a coat distribution. They got people to bring in coats. I don't know what the number numbers were, but that was uh, very helpful. And I was surprised to see the caliber of coats that people brought in to, to be given and it just it reminded me of one of those stories in the bible where you know with the fish and the, and the loaves of bread you know where people thought that there was nothing there and all of a sudden you you have um i guess many people who had uh slightly used coats that was were in their closet that they didn't use anymore uh, and what's the expression one man's junk is another man's treasure you know so you know <laughs> we we did all of that uh, despite the, uh, the and and just like uh, uh, Mount Sinai, our young people uh, took the lead because many of the uh, people who had been doing things before were in high risk categories, and they were trying to stay back and safe. But our people masked up, gloved up, and took advantage of our parking lot uh, next to the masjid to do the food distribution and the coat distribution. That's really terrific. And I, actually, I was going to ask how, um, with such a large effort, you've been keeping volunteers and recipients safe uh, health-wise. So uh, it's great to hear that that there's there's been a plan in place uh, for that as well. 
I, I, I am I am curious how uh, Masjid Muhammad itself as a community has been impacted by COVID. Have you have you had cases at the mosque? Have you um, have you been able to help those families? Yeah, we, we've been able to to help uh, in individual families who are part of the masjid, like other faith communities. Uh, this pandemic caught us off guard. We we were not prepared, and we spent some time trying to figure out how how to work it. And of course, the critical thing is uh, uh, trying to make sure that as we continued our operations, that you know it was safe for both our our staff as well as the other people that we work with. And and so we had some people that we regularly helped. That, you know, they, they came by. Uh, we also you know transitioned to doing Zoom and those other platforms where people could do things remotely. Um, mm-hmm. It's 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 adjust an adjustment and yes it made us sort of uh, drill down on things that we needed to do uh, to make people safe and, and focus you know on on our neighborhood of 4th street and and uh, q street and the you know we were saying before the uh, the, the, the program started we're, we're part of the base area community association baca area and we were trying to stay in touch with them and work with Bradley Thomas and ANC commissioners and other people, you know, to participate right. in the broader community. And it's really great to hear also that the food distribution um, was an interfaith effort with our uh, Latter-day Saint uh, brothers and sisters in, in those communities. So that was an element of it that I, I wasn't aware of. And and really great to hear that. That's uh, very on brand for this show. Um, David, you already talked a little bit about um, about some of the successes that Bread has been involved with, in particular with the impact of, of Bread's effort uh, on the COVID relief legislation. Why, in your opinion, is, is it really critical for uh, religious communities to partner with the government in these efforts? Um, or, or maybe more accurately, depend on, on government leadership when it comes to feeding the most vulnerable. Right. Well, how I always describe it when I'm doing community presentations is um, I have people imagine uh, 20, 20 uh, grocery bags on a table. And with the level of hunger around the world, uh, in the country, um, if I ask people, I say, think about all the the churches in this country, mosques, temples, et cetera, um, with the charitable efforts and the the, the outreach that we do um, and feeding people and all, how many bags do you, you think we would be able to fill? And people generally say, oh, we could probably fill about 14, 15 bags and everything like that. And um, the, the reality is um, you probably only fill three bags, believe it or not. Um, and, and I know that that's kind of like where do you get these numbers from and everything i'm happy to share resources um with with your audience but um you really would only fill three bags with all the 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 direct service that a lot of our um you know faith community does three bags will get filled and so it really is imperative it really is um in the hands of, of our congress through our taxes and other things um to fill the rest of those bags um, because it, it's going to require not just efforts of um, the faith community, but it's going to require joint effort of faith communities as well as uh, Congress to really eradicate hunger in a meaningful way, uh, making sure that you know people aren't just getting fed, but also nutritional value in meals and and different things like that. Um, it comes with a with a premium and a cost, and so um, we believe that um, you know the faith community is well positioned um, to, 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 to make sure that um, our elected members are hearing, you know, real life stories, um, that, that they um, know that we are engaged in the political process. We do vote um, and we are paying attention. And so we want to partner with them. We want to pray with them. We want to support them. And we're also going to make sure that they know that we will hold them accountable. So I think it's a, it's a, it's a, it's, it's, it's just crucial um, that faith communities be a part of the process, continue to um, you know, use our uh, position and our seat at the table to advocate for the, for the least of these in our community. Great. And I, I wonder how the obstruction and infighting in Congress uh, during this, this last session 
uh, particularly during this past past year when there there was so much um, you know disruption of the of the normal uh, operation you know and certainly what folks needed during a pandemic in terms of leadership how how did that impact uh, the work that you were doing at bread it was very tough um, because uh, just think about um, how controversial last year was. I mean, we had people who were engaged in advocacy for the first time, Jack, their first time making phone calls, first time sending out an email or participating in a in a Facebook Live or whatever the case is. And then to turn around and you know, all, all that effort and time spent, and then you hear the president maybe won't sign the, the COVID relief bill, a bill that so many people desperately needed. Um, it was just very disconcerting to see um, certain people play politics um, with with essentially people's livelihood, and so it made it very tough. But but we were thankful that um, despite all the obstacles and all, people just showed resolute. Um, they were very determined to make sure that their voices were heard, and that um, that their their elected officials knew exactly where they stood. And at the final hour. Um, you know, it came a few days after Christmas, but, you know, the, the relief bill was passed, resolutions were passed, but it was a fight. But I think it's it's um, just a reminder that you know, most things that come in life, you're going to have to roll up your sleeves and put a little elbow grease behind. And so um, um, we're thankful that even in that, we were able to kind of strengthen our, 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 our base and bring in more people um, and engage with folks that we probably would not have engaged with if it was not so tough. Well, I would I would certainly uh, be remiss if I um, uh, skipped over the historic wins in in the Georgia runoff election um, from from last night. It's you know it's the dust isn't entirely settled, but it looks like um, there there is a, a, a pretty decisive victory um, down there. So. Um, I, I am curious, uh, Ibrahim, as a, as a native of Georgia, uh, how do you perceive uh, the election attention uh, down there? And what, what is your your family that that's still down in Georgia, family and friends, been reporting back to you about about how they're doing? Well, Jack, I, I'm, I'm ecstatic about what happened in, uh, in Georgia uh, yesterday and in, in the, uh, the days up to uh, the election yesterday. I, I've, I've been on the phone with relatives and, and friends in Georgia. In fact, I grew up in Columbus, Georgia, and I had the pleasure of getting locked up by the Muscogee County Police in 1963 when I was <laughs> to attend an all-white library there. Uh, and you should know that this was in 1963. This was nine years after the Supreme Court had declared segregation unconstitutional. And mm. uh, despite that, in Columbus, it was still practiced. That, that's the bad news. And, and remember now, Georgia was uh, one of the Confederate states, uh, one of the very hotbeds of the Ku Klux Klan, you know, uh, in, the, in this country. And in, and in 1956, Georgia joined many other Southern states in producing something called the Southern Manifesto, which was an attempt by Southern uh, congressional delegations to block the implementation of the Brown versus Board of Education. So to go from uh, Confederate state slavery to what happened yesterday with uh, Warnoff and Ossoff uh, appearing to be successful is a tremendous victory and, and hopefully represents a new South. And, and all of us who have been involved with that work know that a great deal of the heavy lifting and, and the credit goes to Stacey Abrams, who was not so successful in her bid for governor, but decided to take that pain and, and convert it to something positive. And so I, I think this represents a new beginning and people rejected the hatred and the other things that was being promoted by the president and, and chose to uh, elect people who had a vision of hope and not of fear. Absolutely. I um I, I think Stacey Abrams, I, you know, I, I don't know if um, Vice President, uh, soon to be President uh, Biden, offered her a uh, cabinet position, <laughs> but he sure should have, even if she declined, um, because not not just what happened last night, uh, but obviously in the presidential election, 
Um, and that was a lot, um, the, you know, a lot closer than, than what happened last night. Um, you know, Georgia is a blue state in large part because of uh, her efforts. And so I, I just echo everything that, that you just said. Well, I, I think we would all agree that in a, in a very nonpartisan way, there's really no moral defense for um, the, the citizen disenfranchisement, uh, not having the right to exercise their vote. Um, and, and ultimately that, that, you know, DC doesn't still have elected representation, um, strongly, um, yeah, where it matters, um, it, that this is really a, as much a spiritual crisis as it is a, a crisis in, in democracy in terms of the, the moral and ethical underpinnings of it. I'm curious, uh, Ibrahim, what do you, what do you think about that? I think one of the things that I've been advocating for a long time, uh, Jack, is that um, we have to go beyond just the elections. And I, and I, I said to all of the people that have been working with me, I, I sent out a, a letter to all of my relatives and, and close friends back in October in, in, in asking involved with helping the, with the election of uh, Biden and, and, and Harris. And that is what, what has happened over the years is our people have become dis, disengaged in, in, the, in the electoral process. And at the end of that letter, I, I, I use a quote from Plato, and it, it essentially says, uh, those who fail to get involved with politics and government, you, you're destined to be ruled by your inferiors. And mm. I think when we look at what, what we have at the top of the ticket today, if if we, if, if a, somebody from another country says, send us your champion, your best person, and we sent Donald Trump, you know, that would be embarrassing. Those of us who watched the, the first debate that they had uh, made us almost ashamed of being Americans. And so how do, how do we change that? And I think what happens is that we have to get involved Back in the 60s, Dr. King gave a, a speech here in Shaw, actually, called Prepare to Participate. And democracy is, a, uh, is not a spectator sport. You've got to participate. Uh, we, we talked earlier before the show started about how the Shaw neighborhood has changed, gone from a, a, a drug-infested, crime-infested you know, neighborhood with plenty of blight to now it's, it's gentrified. And I explained to people the way that changed is people like me and my wife and others rolled up our sleeves and got involved, fought crime and did other kind of things. But we had to participate. You, you, you can't sit back and wait for somebody to come in on a white horse to change things. And mm -hmm. a lot of people thought that uh, participating in the government was optional. It's not optional. It's obligatory in a democracy. There's no strong man or strong woman making decisions in the for you and if you do that you're in a very bad situation so i, I mm -hmm. now even after the the elections are over we have to start doing voter education and, and teaching people at the top of the ticket and down and throughout down to the bottom from uh, uh, in our case the anc level civic association school board city council um mayor boards and commissions, other things to get people engaged. Because I think, you know, one of the challenges that we, my son has a quote that I love. He said, dad, many times we're like uh, a basketball team that's losing with the best players sitting on the bench. Hmm. The, the best players hmm. are sitting on the bench doing nothing. And we've got to get the best players engaged in the government again, it's, you know, and we've got to get people not thinking about the, the government as something outside, but it's it's us. We have to move from the government to to we. What can you know? When you say we have to, years ago in in the those founding controlling documents, they said we the people. Who is we the people? We the people is us. And and mm -hmm. and I think David mentioned earlier one of the challenges, for example, that we have in D.C. is that we don't have the right to vote. You know, we're not a state. And so, Eleanor Holmes Norton has done a great job, but she she doesn't have a vote that needs to change and, and hopefully we can do that if we get these uh confirmation of these two new senators uh with uh, kamala harris breaking the tie we can at least get a vote on statehood for the district of david so you know certainly one of the other major impacts of the pandemic has been um 
the closure of so many small businesses. Uh, you've launched a personal campaign to bring awareness to local black and brown businesses in the district. Can you tell us about that effort? Yeah, sure. It's called I Love DC, and it's a mini campaign to, again, to highlight black and brown businesses, nonprofits, and restaurants who've been impacted by COVID-19. COVID-19 has shut down many of these businesses. Some of them are not going to be able to reopen again. And so what can we do, right? Again, um, it's, this is teamwork. This is family. And um, how I see it is I, social media is a phenomenal tool that we all are utilizing more and more. So why not be able to shout out and highlight um, these businesses who, who, who are looking and need customers, who need visibility, um, and they do so much. A lot of them, um, when it comes to our schools, they, they donate food, they donate clothes. These are, you know, friends and families in our communities. And so it's just an effort, again, to get people, um, to, to mobilize people to support them, um, to, to shout them out on Facebook, to follow them on social media, um, and, and just make sure that we're doing our part to, uh, to help keep their doors open. What would you like to see in, in the broader DC community uh, in terms of its financial contribution and otherwise supporting black businesses, historically black institutions? I mean, really for that matter, the black people, the residents that make up the majority of the city. Yeah, um, I think we just need to continue to be very proactive. Um, DC um, is attracting, I think, what, a thousand new residents a month or something like that. Mm. Um, we, 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 we are in a good space financially. And so we should be proactive. Um, there, there are a lot of projects and, and things that I often sometimes wonder why are we spending money on this and, and why, how, how, how are we funding that? Um, but, but here, and I know that there have been, um, reliefs and, and grants and all to help some of these businesses out. So I don't want to, um, undermine or overlook efforts that have happened. Um, but but we can continue just to um, be more pro proactive and innovative um, with finding solutions to make sure our black and brown businesses keep their doors open, um, that these establishments don't go under. And most importantly, that they know that the residents, as well as their local elected officials, care about them and are vested in them and are going to be supporting them um, as long as COVID is around and beyond, fr quite frankly. Um, so, so hopefully, you know, my effort and efforts of others, um, you know, do just that. Any individual businesses, uh, that, that you're particularly fond of that you want to shout out this morning? Yeah. So, um, a few businesses that we've already highlighted, um, is Lars Hermanos up in Columbia Heights. Um, it's a restaurant that that's been around for, for, it's a staple here in DC. They feed EMS workers for free. They've been, you know, uh, they, they, they provide their, their services and often donate food to, to local schools. Um, Competitive by Nature um, is a workout group that holds free workouts in person and virtually to make sure that people are having community and staying fit during this COVID uh, season. Um, you know, His Grooming is a barbershop here in D.C. La Coupe uh, on Kennedy, First and Kennedy Street, uh, Guatemalan. A coffee maker, um, district running club that, that brings black people together to stay fit and run through the city. Um, these are businesses that we've been highlighting. We'll be highlighting others in the next few weeks. Um, but we're excited and we're just, you know, grateful for the opportunity and the support that people have been showing around our mini campaign. That's terrific. Uh, Ibrahim, you've also been involved with economic uh, justice efforts in the city, particularly in the Shaw neighborhood, as you were mentioning uh, where you've lived for decades. Um, and, and what do you see as being really key to ensuring a, a thriving economic center uh, in black communities that are facing the pressures of um, quickly gentrifying neighborhoods? Well, I think what David uh, shared was is very important. Uh, one of the real strengths of our neighborhood in, in Shaw is having a lot of uh, restaurants, you know, and, and food outlets. And of course, you know, the hospitality uh, industry, including uh, restaurants, has been hurt pretty bad. And of course, I think now they're in a, uh, what do you call it, a, a shutdown where people can't do indoor dining. And so what we say to people is uh, make a, a special effort to buy something if, if you have to stop by to pick it up. My wife and I you know, recently stopped by Ben's Chili Bowl, which is, is, a, is you know, a legend 
you know, inshallah, to pick up some things to to bring back home um, because they can't do indoor dining. And 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 I, I happen to know the Ali family, uh, Virginia. I knew Ben and Kamal and Nizam, and they they've survived, you know, the riots and the disruption for metro construction. But uh, they they you know they're at risk with this COVID nineteen uh, thing. And, and they're and the reality, Jack, is that there's some small businesses, some restaurants that may not survive this. And so what we've got to do is to reach out to try and help them. And, and, and many times it's not convenient. You know, one of my buddies used to say, convenience is the enemy to the revolution. You know, we, we, we have mm-hmm. to make sure sometimes that we'll make the extra effort to spend money that, that's going on with uh, these small businesses uh, throughout the, the neighborhood. The other thing I just wanted to share real quickly is that we, we also very much involved in trying to make sure that we, as soon as possible, get back to workforce development because Part of our strategy over the years has been uh, helping people to move from where they need somebody to give them food to helping them be able to fish for themselves. And and, right. and I was a part of uh, training uh, many people who worked at the Marriott Marquis Hotel, which is closed now. But we're hoping, in, at least in the spring or some of this year, these uh, hotels and other businesses will be back open again and, and that many of those people who were workers will be able to go back. But uh, technology and other kind of things, what we want to do is continue to let people see this. You know, there's a there's an expression that uh, God allows you to take a bad thing and turn a good thing. You can use this time down to study and to try and improve your, your skilling so that you can go back to your other job or look at some other alternatives that may be available to you. Mm-hmm. Inshallah, as, as they say. now as we do every episode uh, it's time to turn the mics over to my dear guests to ask each other some questions of their own this is an opportunity for you to ask each other anything that you'd like to follow up on about each other's spiritual journeys or life stories or practices anything that you were familiar with coming in today that you want to understand better about each other's traditions and anything that you realize you may have misunderstood on our show We seek to model constructive and respectful dialogue in the spirit of learning, while at the same time not being afraid to roll up our sleeves and get into some interfaith-ish. So with that, I'll I'll turn it over to David and Ibrahim. Yeah, I'm I'm glad because one of the projects that I've been working on for the last three or four years is that I've been working with uh, folks at uh, Union Temple uh, Baptist Church in Southeast, and we, we found out there are many people who are returning citizens or some people say ex-offenders uh, as they go through challenges with um, finding jobs. A lot of them have entrepreneurial skills and, and talents. In fact, the truth of the matter is that uh, many of them uh, had demonstrated their talents. They were just selling products that were illegal. If we could get them to get involved with legal businesses, they could really do well. And so... I'd like to learn more about that. And, and, and David, I'll be in touch with you to try and do that, because I think not only in Southeast, but all over the city, there are many uh, young people who uh, uh, just have a, a gift for entrepreneurial spirit, but they are not nurtured and, and, and they, they don't have the required you know, critical skills to, to get involved. And they just need some, some, some help in, in transitioning. And if, and if we have a, a caring community that looks forward to people doing that, you, you look at uh, out of every uh, crisis, there are opportunities. And, 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 and I'm looking for opportunities to help people who uh, want to do something. And, and, and I think there's a, a great chance. And, and I think the other thing is that the, the faith community has really been un- misunderstood many times. In some neighborhoods, as you know, that there there was some tension between longtime residents and the faith communities and newcomers. And I, I for one, and I've talked about this at the Base Area Civic Association and at the ANC, a faith-based institution like Masjid Muhammad, Mount Sinai, Fourth Street, Seven Day Adventist, and others, uh, you know, have many uh, resources. There are members in our congregation who could help a lot in the neighborhood, and we've got to figure out how to get people to focus. 
And one of the other things that we, we've been doing, uh, Jack, is that for the last three years, um, Masjid Muhammad, 4th Street, 7th Day Adventist, uh, and Mount Sinai have been doing a health fair there. And, and this pandemic has really highlighted uh, what they call it the uh, underlying conditions that many people have high blood pressure, diabetes, and, and asthma, and other kind of things. And, and many of these things are lifestyle diseases and preventable. And, and we have health professionals and others in our congregations who can help out. And we've done that um, health fair for free. And, 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 and I'd like to see us go to scale with that kind of activity so that uh, we, we can try and be uh, aggressive and attack some of these things and improve the health and condition of people in our congregation, as well as people who may not attend our congregation, but just have to live in the neighborhoods. David, what do you, what do you think about that, particularly the idea of uh, youth employment and encouraging entrepreneurship with young people? Well, I mean, I think it's it's not only important, but but it's it's imperative. Um, so, and 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 you know, Jack, you encourage us to ask questions. Um, I would just, I guess, one question I would ask of Ibrahim is, how are they? How are you guys um, navigating the uh, um, cross generational, multi generational intersectionality space? You know, of of having the elders and the young people come together um, to, to, to share knowledge, best practices, wisdom, all those different types of things. That's something that we're actually, um, you know, looking into and want to get better at. Um, so if you all are doing anything um, 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 in that space um, that, that promotes, you know, faith and um, character and different things like that, I, I would love to know about it. But, but to the more specific point about employment and all, Absolutely. And, and, and we need to, what has happened, Jack, since COVID-19, particularly in black and brown communities, is that there has been a shift. Um, we're working differently now. Um, people are working virtually and, you know, through Zoom and everything else. And, and so there's a digital divide that is growing. You see it in the schools. And if our young people don't have the confidence, the best practices, the tools, the resources, the equipment, to be successful in school, then they may not be successful in this new workspace um, that is going to be around for a while, <laughs> um, this virtual workspace. And so we need to make sure that um, they're that they are um, co feeling confident and empowered to, to, to thrive um, in, in this new this new virtual space. I, uh, David, if I can, I wanted to respond a little bit to, you know, you were talking about the cross-generational kind of activities. And uh, one of the things that we've been doing over the last year is, you know, sort of uh, drilling down on uh, an overarching theme that we've had for a year or so at Masjid Muhammad. And that is the, we say our community, our responsibility. And again, it's our community, mm -hmm. our responsibility. And, you know, we, we have a, a responsibility in the community where our, our, our uh, mosque is located and so we we've got to find out what the issues are not just the issues with people within these four walls that we have uh but also in the broader community and so i i take the lead with the uh, bates area civic association and with uh, anc 5e and, and and other things we're very much involved with the wind program um washington inner city network i think it is the and i think one of the other things that we started last year was saying to all of the people in leadership roles, you need to identify a young person and make sure that there's somebody who works with you, who travels with you, who shadows you, who does uh, internship with you, so that we're in the process of trying to prepare for succession and getting people involved. Uh, and, and, and if you don't do that, you know, like any other institution, you know, we'll die on the vines. We've, we've got to make sure that we get involved. And, 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 and the, the good thing about me is I share with people that uh, Jack was asking me about my history in, in Georgia when I got arrested in, in 1963. Uh, the, the, the movement then, as well as now, is, is always spearheaded by young people, you know, who are pushing the envelope. Uh, I, 
I got involved, uh, and, and I know the older people, I was a part of the youth council of NAACP, and the older people didn't want to get involved, but we pushed them and, and made them get involved because, you know, we said that was important. I, I should also mention my wife is a writer, and she's got a, a, a flagship play called Where Eagles Fly. And this past summer, uh, you know, through partnering with another youth organization, they did a, a virtual play uh, of a, of another uh, the, another play that she had written, uh, and it had performed the year before at Arena Stage, but they couldn't do that. But they did it. Uh, it was a com- it was a hybrid. It was a combination of virtual, and some uh, people were there in, in 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 person. And of course, they had to you know obey all the rules with terms of uh, social distancing and mask and things. And so, the the one thing about young people is that they're very creative. And, and there are a lot of things that they're doing that I have to learn. I, I've got a grandson who was talking to me the other day. He's talking about he's working on some beats and I have to figure out what is a beat, you know. And so, you know, we, we have to stay engaged in making sure that there's communication. And again, making sure that with all of our institutions, with our key leaders, that there's a person who's with, with them shadowing or interning to make sure that these institutions can survive and thrive. With the two of you, I can see that there uh, is is a lot more that, to explore, and and I hope that um, given how close you are in proximity to one another, <laughs> uh, in terms of your your faith communities, that there'll be uh, opportunities for you all to continue the conversation. Um, we are we're we're starting to wrap up uh, our our hour here. Um, but before we, we close, I want to just ask you, as we're at the start of a new year here, um, David, what's, what's something that you're looking forward to in, in the coming year? Um, and what are your hopes for, for D.C. and our country in 2021? Well, personally, I, I'm hoping, hopeful, prayerful, and anything else that ends in full, <laughs> that... <laughs> That 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 we can get this COVID thing behind us. I need to to get back to getting some stamps on this passport. Brother likes to travel, right. so <laughs> I, I, I'm hoping that things open up and we can travel and not have restrictions and and just really enjoy and see this big planet uh, of ours. First chance you get, what what stamp are you putting on that passport? Well, Jack, I was supposed to be in Jamaica um, in oh. March uh, last right. year, and and literally. You know, I was two weeks, two weeks behind, um, you know, when they started closing things. Right, I was right, like, no, right. no, no. So I need to do that. And then I'm probably going to try to make it over to the continent, um, nice. Ghana, South Africa. Yeah. All right. Beautiful. I want to I want to hear an update when when you get uh, <laughs> when you get those travel plans together. Indeed. As far as D.C. is concerned, you know, last year was a tough year for us. And um, I know we've been talking about food and elections, but um, one of the more unfortunate things was just the spike in homicides mm. uh, that we saw throughout the city. And so um, I'm hoping and hopeful that that, that is something um, that we won't experience again, that there will be um, a downtrend as opposed to, to an uh, uptick. Um, I'm, I'm glad to see that uh, Mayor Bowser brought on a uh, commissioner uh, Conti, um, he Ward Seven guys stay in Ward Seven, and so definitely rooting and praying for his success. Um, but that would be something that that I would hope that um, you know our city can kind of get its hands and arms around is mm-hmm. bringing down this homicide rate. Yes, very important. Uh, Ibrahim, what about for for you? Hopes for twenty twenty one. Yeah, I'm 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 excited too, and as as David mentioned, um, the I'm hoping that by the spring slash summer that, uh, you know, we'll be able to resume uh, the old normal uh, where we we don't have to walk around with masks and, and other things because uh, a, a, a large percentage of our people have been vaccinated and, and this won't be an issue anymore. The other thing I'm interested in is some practical projects, you know, that uh, what I keep saying is that the, the, the I don't know the number of churches in, in Shaw, David, but there, there are a number of them. And, if, and if, if we drill down and start cooperating with each other, in, in addition to all the things that the, quote, government can do, there are many things that we can do uh, among ourselves. And mm-hmm. most of our congregations have 
uh, uh, middle class and professional people that can help. And, and that's why I was talking about earlier the, uh, you know, the health fair and, 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 and actually Tijuana Griffin uh, called it the health and fun fair because they also did some things fun uh, for this. But oftentimes what, what concerns me is that when, uh, uh, Jack, when interfaith people get together, we talk about this esoteric stuff that's 30,000 feet up in the air. And I, I, I like right. things that are on the ground, some concrete things that congregations can do to work with each other. And we don't need the mayor for that. We can you know, work ourselves. And I also wanted to support something that David said about uh, trying to bring this homicide rate down. I'm, I'm, I'm still sick that Carmela Duncan, a one-year-old kid, was killed some months ago here in D.C. I think that represents a new low and we have to be outraged and, and we can't let this one-year-old Carmela Duncan's death and all those others who've been killed go uh, unnoticed. And, 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 and what I wanted to say to your listeners uh, that Black Lives Matter and, and all Black Lives Matter, whether you're killed by a police or somebody else you know, with a gun, the lives matter. And that there are hundreds of lives that are taken each year I think we had, I think I read someplace a 16 year high in terms of the number of homicides. But we, we have to say that's unacceptable. And again, our community, our responsibility. And, and, and I've heard good things about uh, the new chief, uh, Conti, but this is not a law enforcement problem alone. We've got to get everybody engaged in this process to help bring this homicide and crime issue down in the city. And, that, and that's my vision and hope for 2021. Well, I appreciate you you sending that up and and sharing that reflection. As always, you know I'm grateful to Master Muhammad as a as a community leader and and being there at the forefront of these things. Um, as I said to you yesterday, as we were prepping for this call, um, personally, the first day that I ever walked into Master Muhammad, I felt very much at home and felt very warmly embraced by the community and have had a strong partnership. Um, with uh, with the folks at your community, um, so I'm grateful grateful for that, and and I'm looking forward to um, you know all the great works uh, that that we can do together, and and supporting the things that that Masha Muhammad is leading on. Um, so I want to thank both of you, uh, Ibrahim Mukman, board member with the historic Masha Muhammad, and known as the Nation's Mosque, and 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 certainly uh, a, a wonderful example to our nation. And to David Street, uh, Deputy Director of the uh, of Grassroots Organizing at Bread for the World, another fantastic organization that I've had uh, the pleasure to work with on some communications projects in the past, um, and really, really very happy to to hear um, both of your reflections on on the great work that you're doing um, near and far uh, to help our community and our country be stronger. Ibrahim, how can folks learn more about Masha Muhammad and support the grocery distribution program in particular? People can reach us by going. Uh, we have a, a wonderful website. It's called The Nations Mosque, T-H-E-N-A-T-I-O-N-S-M-O-S-Q-U-E.org, or Masjid Muhammad. Uh, and you can reach us. And also, if you want to do it by phone, uh, 202-483-8832. Again, I'll say it a little slower, 202 202- Four eight three eight eight three two, and we'd love to engage other people who want to get involved and 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 to help uh, with what we're trying to do and 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 share information. And we are also interested in in partnering. Uh, I, I probably did not mention that Masjid Muhammad was one of the founders of the Interfaith Conference of Metropolitan Washington. In fact, my my wife was yes. one of the original board members. And, oh, and so that's that's very important. I think again, what I was saying earlier is that we have a lot of power a lot of assets and resources and we should not just be thinking of our neighborhoods and people as uh, scarce and with as liabilities but we we have assets that we can share and and we can create continue to create uh, miracles each day if if people of goodwill come together and i just believe that uh i, I think martin king used to say injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere and, and we are caught in an inescapable network of mutuality tied in a single garment of destiny. Whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly. Beautiful words. Thank you for sharing that so that we all um, can take that to heart and, and can act on them. Um, and, and I'd also want to just ask David um, if you just 
quickly share how folks can get involved with the campaigns and hunger with Bread for the World? Well, Bread for the World can be found um, online, bread, simply bread.org. Sometimes we get confused with Bread for the City um, because they do uh, a lot um, as well. And so are you guys Bread for the City? No, it's like Bread for the World. It's, it's two. Um, so, so Bread for the World. Um, so just our website, bread.org and um, Bread for the World on Instagram, at Bread for the World Instagram and on Facebook. As far as the uh, mini campaign, I Love D.C., um, it's on my social media platforms, um, on Instagram and Facebook and, and YouTube at, at Dave Street 22. Um, so we're grateful for the, 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 the support there. Um, and, and yeah, we, we just want to continue to, um, serve and, and build and, uh, make sure that we're doing our part, particularly as we are still in this COVID space. <laughs> Thank you both so much. Thank you. Dear listener, that's a wrap on this week's Interfaith-ish. As always, I want to thank my fellow Interfaith-ishtronauts, Miranda Hovmeyer and Sue Katz-Miller. Uh, Miranda just celebrated a birthday this week, so happy birthday to you. And Sue just launched an awesome new Facebook group for families with interfaith heritage. So thanks for doing that and inviting me to the group. And of course, I want to thank our musical maestro, Jeff Philosopher, for providing our theme music. As always, you can find our entire back catalog of Interfaithish episodes wherever you find and enjoy podcasts. Please remember to leave us a rating or a review. You can follow us on social media at Interfaithish and like our content. We post regularly on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And we want to hear about what you've learned from our shows, dear listener. So leave us a voicemail on our special listener line, 202-599-2953. As usual, keep writing us with the interfaith ish you wish to dish at interfaithish at gmail.com. That's I-N-T-E-R-F-A-I-T-H-I-S-H at gmail.com. Interfaith-ish will be back in two weeks. Until then, keep it locked to WOWD 94.3 FM for great music and programs seven days a week, streaming online at TacomaRadio.org. <laughs>